Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This meeting is being recorded. Yes, it is. Hey there, everybody. This is Kenny and... When it feels like... Kenny Squares. With the Sports on the Positive Tip Podcast. Special All-Star Edition. And so, Kenny, how you doing? How's things out there in the Midwest? It's good to be back on Long Island. Yeah, you got back so quickly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's... It's good. It's been raining all weekend. A couple of Indians games got postponed, so oh, okay. that's never fun. But no, no, no. Yeah, I mean the Mets have played more doubleheaders than they played probably in the last five years. Um, hey, so we're gonna talk about the the ba- the, the only All Star game that's still kind of special, and that's the baseball All Star game, which happens tomorrow night. And so that's kind of our special podcast, but. We got to take a couple of minutes since it's the end of the first half of the season. And what a crazy weekend for both teams, but especially the Yankees. So I want to get your grades on the Yankees. And then we could talk uh, Bucks and Suns, which I said on Saturday, I thought that was it, it might be a series here. And the Bucks lived up to it. And so we'll see what happens with that. But let's start real quick with the Yankees, and Astros. And so what were your overall thoughts on what a, what was a crazy, crazy weekend of baseball in Houston? Yeah, so I'll start out with um, I love the back and forth with the whole jersey pulling. I don't know how much of that you saw. I saw it. Um, but, like, it seems like the Yankees, for the first time in a while, have a little bit of mojo. Like, Judge kind of trolling Altuve with the jersey. And, of course, like, they clap back and Altuve has the best celebration all year. But um, I think it is very good that, like, Yankees took this and they started out shutting out the Astros 5 to nothing in the first two games combined. Um, I'm going to even go as far as to say Garrett Cole had his best game as a Yankee. Um not only just because he went complete game shutout um, in a one nothing game, um, but I loved his. I've never seen him that fired up on the mound than in the ninth inning when Aaron Boone comes out with two outs and he's like, "Hey, do you, you got this?" And he's like, 
basically, you better get off this mound and finishing this. Yeah. And sure enough, he threw three straight strikes, game over. Um, and I think that's been, like, kind of the thing that's been missing. But also, it seems like we're still back at the 2021 Yankees. Every single time, things are looking really good. Every single time, they're building some momentum. You get a really bad done of a game. Um, like, a couple weeks ago against the Angels, like, they're scoring a bunch of runs. They're up 7-2 to two against Otani, knock him out in the first inning. And then just like that, they blow the game. Same thing happened. Like, I wouldn't have been that mad if they lost. But they were up 7-2 to two in the ninth inning. And Chad Green, who's supposed to be the not the problem, gave up six runs. Um, and, of course, the last person in the world that I'd want to give up a walk-off home run to is Jose Altuve. Yeah. Um, Mr. I sent the Yankees home several times, and I beat Aaron Judge MVP race, even though I probably shouldn't have. So it's a momentum-swinging week a little bit, but at the same time, uh, it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And now you got to wait three days before you play again. So... Um, overall, in the season, I would probably give the Yankees like a C or C minus. Um, I, I think one of the biggest highlights and something that people aren't really talking about is that the Yankees have stayed really healthy this year. Um, Aaron Judge, um, I'll pull up his numbers here, but I think it really shows like He's a guy that if he's healthy and if he's playing, he's going to give you good numbers. Um, I don't think they're as good as his rookie of the year, runner-up MVP season, but I think it's pretty close. Um, let's see here. He's batting 282 with 21 home runs, 47 RBI. So you're going to love that. 21 home runs, 47 RBI. So let's just say double it. He'd have 42 home runs and like 94 RBIs over the season. 42 home runs would be nice. I, yeah. I know how you feel about having 40 home runs and not 100. But yeah. Um, yeah. I think that also goes to show the Yankees' offense is solo home runs left and right. Yeah. Um, but like I think in general, these guys have stayed healthy. Stanton has stayed on the field. Judge has stayed on the field. Um, Gary Sanchez has turned it around. Garrett Cole maybe might be past the sticky stuff issues. We'll see. Um, but this team, this team still has a long ways to go. Yeah, They're still in fourth place, um, which they have a really tough division. And really, I think what's going to make or break this team is the first week and a half out of the All-Star break. We have a four-game series against the Red Sox two against the Phillies, and then four against the Red Sox. Amazing. And then you go to Tampa Bay. Yeah. So um, I think we'll either – we'll know contender or pretender by the end of July with this team. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to go back to uh, – yeah, yeah, Aaron Judge. And he turned out to be one of my favorite players of all time in Curtis Granderson. But he had a lot of years like that. He, even had a, he never hit 40 with the Mets, but he had a couple of – Seasons with the Mets where he had 29 homers and 59 RBIs. I'm like, that's hard to do. But um, I, I think he'll get more RBIs in the second half. He'll, he'll, get, he'll get to 100. But let me ask you about Garrett Cole. It was an amazing, amazing performance. What do you think it was? Was it him being back in Houston? Was it, 
you know, now living up to the ace because the ace does have to win a game like that. 130 pitches, though, that's a lot. So two questions. What was it that got into him? And, and number two, do you think that 130 pitches is going to affect him in his next start? So what do you th- is that going to affect his next start? And what got into him, man? Um, I think what got into him is just like being back in Houston, kind of showing Houston what they're missing. Because, um, I mean, they have Zach Greinke. Obviously, Verlander is recovering from Tommy John. So um, I can have an ace. But I think, there's, I think he's like kind of there showing like, hey, this is what you could have had. Um, I think that coming back to that – that whole Houston roots where he really became an ace, I think is really big for him. And as far as his next start goes, I'm not too worried about it. Um, yes, it's the highest that any pitcher has thrown this year, but also we're talking the all-star break. I could Moon not starting him for a few days afterwards. So maybe instead of starting him five days, which would be Thursday, maybe having him go Saturday or Sunday. Um, Matt Blake and Aaron Boone both asked um, Cash not to have him pitch in the All-Star game. So while he's going to be attending, he's probably not going to make an appearance, which I think is fine anyway. So uh, I think the I think because it was the break is one of the main reasons why he came out for the night. Then, to be honest. Yeah, it, it it was disappointing they lost that next game, but I do think they still have some momentum. Because they were, you know, they led most of that game, right, till the ninth inning. I, I went I went to run an errand, and I, then I got your t- – I turned the TV off. It was 7-2. to two. I got your text. I'm like, what? You know, um, but it's just sometimes timing is bad. You know, every team is going to have a game like that during the year, you know, where somebody comes back on them. I mean, the Mets was up 5 to nothing, lost 6-5. to five. So, um you know, it was just the timing because they had that momentum going and they got a game like that. So uh, they'll shake it off. I think um, I think they'll be tough here in the second half. We'll see. I'll give you my Met grade real quick. I would say like a B minus. The Met pitching and bullpen have been just overall outstanding. I don't know how they've done it, but DeGrom, Walker, Stroman have been spectacular. Diaz, even though he blew the save uh, on Sunday... He's been he's been overall great. He's blown two saves. That's it. Um, the rest of that bullpen has been really good. It's hard to grade their hitting. Conforto, Lindor, McNeil are the three keys. I know JD Davis is coming back. The bench has been great, but if those guys don't hit, uh, that lead that the Mets have, which is I think only four games, will will easily you know go away. But, I mean, they've been in first place for a long time. So, you know, I, I got to give it, I got to give them a lot of credit. I think Rojas has done a really good job in holding them together with all these injuries, you know. So, um, looking forward to their second half. I think that if these guys get hot, they, they, they may run away and hide with this division. Or at least they'll, they'll maintain a good four to five game lead. Um, all right, let's shift gears real quick because I want to get to the All-Star game. The NBA Finals. I, I did say that the other day that I thought the Bucks would make it a series, 
And and they, I mean, Phoenix really never got into that game last night. Uh, it looks like they made a run in the in the third quarter, but towards the end of the third quarter, the Bucks just and you know Giannis looks pretty hungry. What are you? What were your thoughts on Game Three? Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with everything you said. I, I think that um I think that Giannis has got a chip on his shoulder for, for, for a few reasons. I think the you know, them making fun of his free throw shooting and you know, all of a sudden, you know, he's not the best player in the game or one of the best players. So I think I think he's got a little bit to prove here. It's hard to get back to the NBA finals, you know. Um there's no guarantee. You know, as the Toronto Raptors and some of these other teams, you know, Miami from last year, it's it's hard to get there. So I think that both these teams want to make the most of this opportunity. But the Bucks definitely look looked starving, looked like they were hungry on Sunday night. So so uh, we'll see what happens. All right, let's shift gears. NBA, uh, the MLB All Star Game. So I think this All-Star game is still special, and I thought that it had picked up some momentum these last few years. But I didn't like that there was so many players that bowed out this year. And, you know, even my own guy, and I kind of want to say I understood, but there were other players that had, like, very minor injuries that seemed to back out. I couldn't imagine, as a player if I got chosen to an all-star game in any sport that I wouldn't want to go, you know, that means that you're like one of the best, but uh, what was it like 10, 15 players that, that bowed out? I, I mean, that that's a lot of players. Also, again, choosing not to play. 
Um, Altuve, apparently it's a leg issue, but then, like, after he was named, he laid down um, an infield single. So I don't really think that that's the case. Some people are saying maybe the reason why, because they are afraid that they're going to get booed, which, I mean, really, to me, like, if that's going to happen, that's completely on you. But um, I understand it, Grom, too, to an extent. Oh, I kind of feel like this is DeGrom's year. Same way that it's like Shohei Otani's year. He's in the home run derby, he's starting pitcher, and then he's all batting first as the DH. So he's doing it all. But I think what it's so... Like, Otani could be a very good Hall of Fame caliber player, but like everyone would look at this year as like the year that he established that. Yeah. Jake DeGrom, I think at this point, is already a surefire Hall of Famer. But, like, this has been his year. Like, this is his, like, Kirk Gibson 68 type year. And I think missing the All-Star game, like, like I said, I understand it. I want to stay healthy. Um, I think of, um, I was just talking with Trevor, but, um, Judge in 2017, doing the home run derby, and he just was after that. So, like, yeah, you don't want to get hurt in an exhibition, because... Yeah, you know, DeGrom, I'm glad you brought up Bob Gibson because, and I know DeGrom has been hurt, legitimately hurt, right? He missed a couple of starts. And, but Bob Gibson would have never, oh. The recording has stopped. Recording. So I'm glad you brought up Bob Gibson in 68, and, and I don't mean to compare, but there's been, to your point, there's been, you know, Sandy Koufax, Gibson 68, Ron Guidry in 78, Pedro Martinez 2003, Clayton Kershaw even, I think, in 2012. I mean, there's been these guys that have just had these spectacular years that, you know, Randy Johnson even, that, you know, they got to go to the All-Star game. You know, Bob Gibson would never back out on something like that. I, I totally get DeGrom. He's my guy. But, again, I'm just thinking about the seven, eight, nine year old kid that is living in Wichita, Kansas, that only sees DeGrom, you know, uh, on, on maybe a, a random ESPN game or something like that, and he'd want to see him pitch. So, but that goes for all these players, man. I, you know, the Houston fans, I think Altuve and Correa are doing them a – Certainly a disservice, um, and and I'll you know I'll say Degrom to an extent is doing not just the New York fans, but I think all the fans a little bit of a disservice, especially the young kids. And I'm sure he knowing his character, he doesn't mean to. I think he just legitimately feels that you know this is the right thing to do. All right, but you know the real important part is I need to hear your first top All Star game and moment. Hit me. Oh, first, okay. Um, well, it doesn't have to be your number one, just whatever you want uh, to say first. Well, I guess I'll start with the most recent for me. Well, okay. Well, most recent, um, 2019 was fun. Um, we had just gotten home from the hospital with Isaac, and it was also in Cleveland. Uh, we got to take the kids to a couple of the festivities they had. Like, they didn't call it the fan fest, but some of the interactive stuff. So that was a lot of fun. Um, but I think also for me, 2013, when it was at City Field, 
um, seeing Mariano Rivera come out there for the last time in the eighth inning, which it was weird that it was the eighth inning, but it kind of made sense. So um, I think that was one of my bigger ones. Yeah, and and we went to the festivities that year too, right? Yeah. Yeah, that that was a lot I think of fun. I actually bought a shirt there. Yeah. And we have a picture somewhere uh, of us. Um, Lael was pretty, pretty young, <laughs> you know. Um, oh, yeah, I, I, I remember how hot it was, and we walked all the way to the east side, the west side, and then back to the east side. And it was like ninety-five degrees outside, at least. Uh, that was a good one. All right, I'll give you one of mine. Uh, Nineteen seventy-one, and that was. I can remember being angry that the National League lost because I was such a big Met fan, and so I, I had to root for the National League. But there were six home runs in that game, way before the home run era. But listen to the Hall of Famers that hit home runs. Johnny Bench, Hank Aaron. I think that was Hank Aaron's first and only all-star home run. Al Kaline for his hometown, Detroit. The game was in Detroit. Harmon Killebrew. Roberto Clemente and Reggie Jackson all homered in that game. And Reggie Jackson's home run almost left the stadium and hit the light tower. You know, they didn't really measure the home runs back then, but they estimated it was over 500 feet. He hit it off a pitcher named Doc Ellis of of the Pirates. It was an exciting game. Uh, Nationally, had firepower that came off the bench in the uh, in the eighth and ninth inning, but they couldn't do anything against the American League pitching. The American League wound up winning 6-4. to four. And back then, it was a very rare all-star game win for the American League. But it's it's, it's just a memorable game because all these Hall, Hall of Famers hit home runs, you know? Um, all right, give me, another, give me another one from you. Uh, let's see. Because um, I have several. Go ahead. I'll go with one. Um, I remember the first one that I actually stayed up for. <laughs> uh, which would be 2000 ironically because this year the controversy there but that one was in Atlanta um, I remember distinctly like going through and keeping track of all the people when they would come in and out and like mess up the batting order because of all like triple switches and stuff but then also it became one of the more well known signature moments for a guy named Derek Jeter who um he won the MVP and became still, to this day, the only player to win both MVP in the All-Star Game and the World Series in the same year. Um, and then also, that was um, that was a fun one, I think, just because I remember it was like the first time like I stayed up for the whole thing. Because um, I remember a little bit of 99 uh, with like Pedro, but also I knew I had to go to bed, so I didn't really watch a ton of that one. <laughs> But 2000, I think part of the reason why, and that was something I did for years, was like keeping track of like the All-Star game, was it was a way that I could stay up and kind of keep myself from falling asleep. So um, that one I think always will stick out to me just because of the significance there. And then I remember from doing that, um, 2001, I don't think I realized the significance of Cal Ripken in his last one. Um, and then A-Rod switching positions with him. A-Rod was the stud that year, of course, completely juiced up, and no one knew at the time. So yeah. It was 
I, we thought, Larissa and I thought you were absolutely nuts keeping score on the All-Star game. You know? You kept score randomly in other regular season games, but the All-Star game you had everything there. We're like, did you catch all that? Like, you're like, wait, no. Who's in left field now? Are you know? Because, you know, they still, I do like that they try to play at least all the position players, you know, um... I only have one other one. I, I, I uh, well, I have two more. I'll give you one other. 1984 uh, in San Francisco, a 19-year-old Dwight Gooden, 19 years old, comes in and he strikes out the side. And I don't remember the guys he struck out, but they were three really great players. And he comes in and strikes it. It's similar to what Degrom did a few years ago. And Gary Carter though was a catcher. That was memorable for me because. You know, Gary Carter started as catcher. Keith Hernandez at first base. Daryl Strawberry in in uh, right field. <clears throat> um, but when Gooden came in, it was just it was electric. And I remember, you know, the announcers, which it was probably an ABC game, uh, so it was probably Al Michaels, just like was stunned because you know they had heard of Dwight Gooden, but that was a year before his really great year in '85. But um, he he was unbelievable. It was a, uh, it was a moment for me. I'll give you another quick one. 1979. You've heard me talk about this before, at the King Dome in Seattle. Um, <laughs> Lee Mazzilli hits a pinch hit three run homer off Ron Guidry to tie the game. It was six to three. He tied the game in like the seventh inning. Lee Mazzilli was the only Met chosen. Comes up to pinch hit. I'm like, oh, he's not even going to play in the field. But they put him, they put him in the outfield. But he hits the opposite field three-run homer. It was so unlikely. And uh, we just went nuts. I remember I was watching it with a few friends, and we just went went crazy. And and, uh, and then he drew a walk in, uh, and I want to say, the ninth inning. But he didn't get the MVP. Dave Parker got the MVP because he threw two guys out at home plate. He made these spectacular throws uh, to home plate. And, and we were mad that Mazzilli should have gotten the MVP at the time. Tying three-run homer, you know, and then he drew a walk with the bases loaded to put them ahead. And the National League won seven to six. All right, give me another one. Um, well, actually, Dave Parker, he didn't get a hit in that game, right? I don't think he got a hit. I, I, I think, I think that's a good trivia question. I don't think he got a hit. He got the MVP. Well, I think he threw a guy out at third on the fly, and he threw a guy out at home on the fly. He had a spectacular arm. Well, who's the other? Uh, I was gonna ask you. Um, I actually know who the other one is. Um, he kind of did something similar. Um, he, I believe, when he did this, it was with the Rays. Um, but he's more well known for having a really bad contract. Is that call call Crawford? Yep. Okay. Call Crawford. He robbed uh, Barry Bonds of what what would have been a game tying home run. 2008 or something like that. Okay. Well, not 2008, but somewhere around that. I thought, see, didn't he hit a a big home run in an All-Star game as well, Crawford? So it probably wasn't that one, obviously. Okay. Okay. Um, That's a good one. I'll give my last two here. Okay. Um, 
Um, that's one of those moments that really sticks with me is that, like, you were so willing to even go. Um, but then also the pregame ceremony with, like, the pretty much every single living Hall of Famer on the field. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Um, yeah. And, like, and each one, like, all the first basemen that were, um, like, longtime All-Stars were, were standing next to the starting first baseman. Yeah. Who, I don't even know who that would be in 2008, but, um, like, that, and then also the game was absolutely spectacular. I remember you fell asleep in, like, 10th or 11th inning. I did. But still, to this day, the longest All-Star game by innings, um, and ironically, the, um, the Red Sox, J.D. Drew hitting the, the game winner in the bottom of the 15th. Wow. Um, wow. It also was an interesting one because the that's when they implemented the rule of um, like pitchers who start on the Sunday before can't pitch in the All-Star game because Scott Kazmir um, was placed in the 15th because they ran out of other pitchers. I remember so, that. Um, yeah. yeah. Even though Madden said, please do not throw him at all um so that's one and then um one that i think you knew i was going to talk about would be 2003 when um i went with you up to new england for for your trip and then we we went to that all-star game in like connecticut yeah LA, where guys like phil hughes and i believe changing Wong were in that game um you said ryan howard was in that obviously. game too yeah What's that? I think you said that Ryan Howard was in that game as well. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. right. Ryan Howard was in that yeah. game. Um, and then also, that that was the year of the American League can't win this if it's late <laughs> with John Smoltz, Billy Wagner, and Eric Gagne. And sure enough, Hank Playlock's three-run home run gives the American League the win off of Eric Gagne. So, yeah. Um, but I think what's interesting, too, is if you remember right, Hank Playlock didn't win the MVP that year. Right. Um, even though he had, like, the biggest hit out of all of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, that one went to Garrett Anderson. And also, that was the first year that it actually counted. Right, Where they, um, right. They did the home field advantage because yeah. of the debacle in 2002. Yeah, yeah. And that one always sticks out to me as well. Yeah. Those are some good players that you named, too, that have kind of gotten forgotten. Garrett Anderson was a really good player, but... Hank Blaylock, he had, if you look his stats up, he had a couple of just spectacular years, man. Um, all right, I'll give you my last one. It's the one that I remember first, and it still is one of the best All-Star games, 1970. That was the Pete Rose bowling over Ray Fossey game. Um, but the, the National League was just so determined. American League takes a 4-1 to lead into the ninth inning, and the National League rallies to tie it up. Roberto Clemente hits a sacrifice, sends Frank Robinson to the wall. It's a sacrifice fly to tie the game up um, with two outs in the ninth. And um, and then the game goes into the 12th. And uh, Jim Hickman gets a big base hit. Amos Otis is in center field. Here comes Pete Rose around third. Amos Otis, perfect throw to the plate. The ball gets there at the same time. Ray Fossey is the catcher. Rose just bowls him over. Fossey's career was never the same. He was a really up-and-coming guy. He had a good long career, but he he never was the same after he broke his shoulder. That was probably the worst injury in the All-Star game. Um, 
But it just, it was the epitome of showing Pete Rose on, and, and I never liked Pete Rose um, because he used to kill the Mets, but certainly give his props. He was just a spectacular player and hustler. But even in the All-Star game, he's like, I, I definitely got to score. And um, But I remember also in the 11th inning, think uh, Rod Carew or Tony Oliva hit a double up the gap. The American League had like runners on first and third. And um, Joe Morgan was still with the Astros at the time. And uh, someone hit a shot. Looked like it was going to center field. Morgan gets it. He flips it to Bud Harrelson at shortstop. And uh, naturally pulls off a spectacular double play to, to keep the game tied. You know, uh, It was just a great game. I don't know how I stayed up at 10 years old. Uh, that was the first game that my mom you know, let me stay up for. Um, and I stayed up for the whole thing. I was just so excited. I'm sure it ended late because it went 12 innings, you know. Um, yeah. So it should it should be fun. You're gonna uh, watch with Pete and Leal and Isaac. Uh, you're gonna make Isaac stay up at two years old? No. <laughs> uh, maybe if Eric Judge can hit the first inning, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> maybe he can see the first inning. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been fun. All star memories. This should be still a great game, and yeah. players should be proud to play in it. Um, then were you looking up Blaylock stats? Um, I was. It was. Um, here we go. Yeah, grab one and grab a couple of his best years. I mean, that guy was—he could hit. And I don't know what happened to him. It, it seemed like he like retired quickly or something. Yeah. So, so let's see here. Uh, Two thousand three. Um, he ended up hitting three hundred with twenty nine home runs, ninety RBIs. Right. Had one hundred seventy hits. 170 hits, um, yeah. And, I mean, it's a pretty good, pretty good year there. Um, yeah. His OPS was 872, so that's... Wow. That's really yeah. good. Um, 2004, which he was an all-star again that year, um, 276, uh, 32 home runs, 110 RBIs. Yeah, yeah. Um, 2005, 318, 25, and 92. Love those numbers. Yeah. <laughs> um, then I'll go another 2006, 266, uh, 16 home runs, 89 RBIs. Yeah. That seems like that three-year stretch where he had. Yeah. Um, like 25 plus home runs. Yeah. Te- like, Texas had. Really Texas had a bomb squad there for a while with you know Juan Gonzalez and Josh Hamilton and Blaylock. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, who's the other guy that retired recently? Ian Michael Young. Michael Young was really good. He was a really good player. And Ian, the second baseman, he bounced around oh, a little Ian bit. Kinsler. Ian Kinsler, he was really good. Those guys were all stars every year too. You know, Kinsler and, and Young, they they had a good. It was surprising that they couldn't get over the hump. You know, Texas back then. I know they got to the World Series a couple of times later, but. You know, and those early thousands teams, they just didn't have any pitching. You know, if they'd had just a couple of good pitchers, I mean, because they definitely were like out slugging a lot of people. Anyway, we got way off the topic, but it's all good. So uh, let's get the music on. And Kenny, take us home. Step out into the street. Trevor Hoffman. Just come with 
Absolutely. Talk to you later.